quickly. It's a draw. It's a draw. And then she gets it back. Oh, you're kidding me. And the Sunshine Coast Lightning have achieved the unthinkable. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Inner Circle podcast. It's Sherelle McMahon with Bianca Chatfield chatting all things netball. And B, it has been a little bit of a quiet weekend on the netball front. Suncorp Super Netball having the first break for this World Cup break. Mm -hmm. Are you refreshed? Are you feeling nice and rested? No, I'm not refreshed. (laughs) I um, (laughs) found myself at the Logies. At the Logies! I wanted to ask you about that. (laughs) On the Gold Coast for a... A weekend, and I tell you what, I'm much more comfortable in the sporting world than I ever, <laughs> ever, ever will be in the TV world. Because can you believe, right? So we had to start getting ready at 10 a.m. that morning. Well, and you looked stunning, so well, it was well, worth it. Took it. a while, but <laughs> <laughs> so 10 a.m. you start getting your hair and makeup done, and then I think we're on the red carpet by about four o'clock right. in the afternoon. And it takes you over an hour to walk the red carpet. Like, so popular. I thought, no, not even because of that. I thought, and my plan of attack was, let's just go under the radar and let's just like pretty much run it so then we can get out of there. Because, yeah. I mean, no one cares about us being reality TV people anyway, but let alone there's all these other superstars that, you know, we see on TV every single day and they're the people that everyone wants to talk to. But you just, there's all these rules that you have to follow and there's, you've got to stop and have 5,000 photos and (laughs) oh my goodness. And your dress has to look a certain way. So then people are like fluffing around at the train of your dress to make sure it's okay in in every single photo that you take. So it was one of those experiences. I'm glad I've done it, but I'm happy to probably always avoid the red carpet from here on in. (laughs) Well, it all just took forever. But you just don't realise that either. You know, you see all those photos, you don't realise that there's been dress fluffing. (laughs) Oh, it is hilarious. But, uh, yeah, it was super fun. It was great to catch up with all the block contestants. And, yeah, I'm still recovering because it was a massive night and... One, one, another thing that cracked me up too is like all the paparazzi everywhere. Like, so you walk off the plane of the Gold Coast and people like jump out to take take photos. So anyone carrying a dress bag, they're like, okay, you're obviously going the Logies. They probably have no idea who we were, but they're taking photos of you. And then as you're walking from the after party back to your hotel room, all within the Star, the casino complex at um, on the Gold Coast, again, paparazzi, 3.30, 4 a.m. in the morning, <laughs> really? taking photos of everybody walking back to their rooms. <laughs> what state were you in? I'm sure you kept yourself very nice, Bianca. Oh, I was, yeah, I was okay, but I'm still like, where do those photos ever show up? I've got no <laughs> idea. Hopefully nowhere. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, enough about that. Enough about that. Enough about that. We've well, still got, what, nine days to go until the World Cup. I know. I can't <laughs> believe it. It feels like we should be kind of already into it. Um, one bit of news that has come out in the last couple of days is that can you believe this jamaica is number two in the world in netball what? i know how the new ifna rankings have come up and they have jumped up into number two in the world which is incredible really i, I actually can't believe that so australia are number one jamaica are number two and england are number three yes i think that's correct and then so we new were giving it down to number four so we were giving England grief about being the underdogs, but in actual fact, going into the World Cup, they're seeded number three. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And when you look at um, a couple of their results from earlier in the year, of course, England had those few losses against Australia and 
um, one against South Africa as well. Uh, um, that's obviously impacted mm. where they're sitting in Jamaica. You know, it's a bit, little bit hard to work out the mathematics behind. I was exactly. going to ask you how, because I've got no idea how it No, works. I'm not sure, but it does go, I think it did change kind of recently, actually. So it depends who you play and how many matches you play and where your opposition are, are ranked. So... Um, it's quite an equation to work out. But anyway, that's where they're sitting. And we're looking at the format too for the World Cup. So um, for those that don't know, the format has slightly changed this year. Um, So it starts off with four pools of four teams in each pool and then the top three of each pool go through to a different pool and the bottom ones fall out into another pool. Do you think that's going to work well. Do you think you like the look of that so far? Yeah, I do. Because previously there used to be two pools. So there was more matches kind of in that initial stage before you went through to finals. But what that kind of meant is that the top teams weren't playing each other as much until right at the end. And in fact, some of the top teams never played each other. So I think the idea with this is hopefully with those crossover matches, all the top teams are playing each other. And then the lower-ranked teams um, can have some more competitive matches rather than always being um, against those really tough sides. So I actually like the way they've structured this. Um, We did mention Jamaica before. They're probably, I would say, in the toughest draw. So they are up against South Africa, Trinidad, Tobago and Fiji. Mm -hmm. So definitely South Africa are uh, one of those ones we've all got our eyes on. Yeah. Um, And Jamaica, you know, they, they are so unpredictable. It is so hard to get a gauge on what they'll actually bring. Of course, they've got a couple of real stars playing in the Suncorp Super Netball. Ramelda Aiken and Janelle Fowler, of course, but uh, Shamira Sterling has been outstanding, hasn't she? Has she been the player of the uh, league so far? Potentially, I don't know. Potentially, but I think Carla Carla Pretorius probably as a defender, but Shamira started off so well. Had a few quiet games, but yeah, she's certainly been one to watch and so young too. Yeah. It's kind of scary how good she can actually get the yeah. more she's spending time out in Suncorp Super Netball and at the World Cup because you do learn so much from going over and playing in a World Cup. And of course, Katie Ann Dehaney is the other defender who is with the Vixens who is in that team. Um, they, I'm really enjoying what they're putting out on social media, Sherelle, the Jamaican girls. Yes. Because one thing that stands out to me every single time you see them at a tournament like this together is just how they sing and their dance their way through everything, <laughs> whether it be the warm-up after a game. And do you know what? I think I could accept the after-game rah-rah huddle <laughs> if they're dancing and singing because I think that's what the Sunshine Girls are going to bring to the table. So I'm all for it if they're going to entertain us like that. Yeah, they always do. They're always so much fun. And I guess the thing about Jamaica is – for so many years, I, I remember at my first World Cup back in 1999, Whoa. I know, um, we actually, when we were the Australian team, we had made it through to the final and we were watching the New Zealand-Jamaica uh, semi and for most of that match, we thought we were playing Jamaica yeah, because right. they we just they were in front, they looked like they were going to win and then New Zealand just got over them. So they have been so, so close for so many years. Um, and, you know, I think that having Janelle there and Ramelda and the defensive pressure up each end, their question mark maybe is in that midcourt and whether uh, they can stand up to, to the riggers. But we don't know because we don't get to see them that much. Um, Shanice Beckford is the other one that I always love watching playing. She's the goal attack for Jamaica. Mm-hmm. She almost literally shot the lights out at the Fast Five Mm. in Melbourne last year. Uh, So she's a really great long-range shooter. So when you've got those big targets uh, like Janelle and Ramelda, 
that sort of player can really be difficult to defend. Absolutely, because you can't leave her alone. That's the problem. Like You can't double back on whoever's playing goal shooter. Who would you have at shooter now, Romelda or Janille? Probably Janille, just because Romelda has been off the court for so long with that injury. And look, you know, she's going into a tournament-style thing and not that long ago she was in a moon boot, so Mm. it's it's tough to then go into um, that tournament-style format. So... Um, probably Romelda, we've seen her up the other end a couple of times. I don't know that she'll tip Shamira Sterling out of that position. Jamaica, do not put Romelda at keeper (laughs) because, I I mean, you want to see Shamira out there flying for intercepts and that's what Romelda won't do as a goalkeeper. And also, and you've got Katie, Katie Ann Dehaney, who we've seen glimpses of through this Suncorp Super Netball season. And you see all the time at training. She is, she's a super player. She reads the, the ball very, very well. So anyway, that... I guess remains to be seen. So there you go, Jamaica up into number two in the world. Mm. So from now, who's your pick to be the grand finalist? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I would still go at the moment Australia and England. I think um, New Zealand by all reports, and we haven't really seen a lot of them either through, through the nature of their um, their players not yeah. being involved in the Super Netball um, they recently had um, some matches against an all-star team and the men's New Zealand team. Now, they actually did fall to the New Zealand men's team a couple of times. Um, but they, the men have a literally seven-foot goal shooter in their team, oh. Levi. <laughs> Junior Levi, who is over 200 centimetres tall. Oh so gosh. literally um, Jane Watson stood yep. him in the first quarter that they played. She is 33 centimetres shorter than him. That is unbelievable. Because we used to do that a lot, didn't we? Yes. The Australian men's netball team would fly up to Canberra and, and spend you know a week training mm. with us to help us prepare for the tournaments like that. And the, the thing is, the men are often taller and are often stronger than mm. us. And that's why it was such a good challenge for us to play against them. So good on New Zealand for televising the games oh, yeah. too and, and playing it as if it's an official match. I think it's great. And I think you know the men train hard and it's good that they're getting kind of that reward too. Well, it is a question for our sport though, isn't it? We see many other codes uh, throughout the world and particularly here in Australia with the AFL women's and WBBL and rugby obviously moving more into the women's space. Um, It it is a question for our sport. It's a traditionally female sport and are we doing enough to include boys and men in our game? Mm-hmm. Well, one person who we could ask would be Marina Go, who we're going to have on our podcast today, who has been appointed as the chair of the Independent Commission for Suncorp Super Netball. Uh, and I think... I, you know, I think we, you know, we're trying to tell a different story on this podcast, all the behind-the-scenes stuff of netball. And so I thought she was a really important person that we needed to get on so that we can ask her some of these hard-hitting questions. Yeah, it will be great. And, um, you know, I think for New Zealand, just touching back on them, um, with Nolene Tarua at the, at the helm there, I think she just seems to have this ability to pull a team together and really get the best out of them. So... I am really excited to see what New Zealand brings on the back of not meddling um, at the Commonwealth Games. Mm-hmm. It will be a huge one for them. So I'm really the looking pressure's forward to it. on. Hey, I mentioned before, before we get to Marina, that uh, we had the weekend off Suncorp Super Netball, but that allowed the finals of the Australian Netball League to play out. And it was a really good weekend held in Melbourne. So you went along and you were watching these games. Yes. Who were some of the standout players who you think will be on the Suncorp Super Netball list next year? Yeah, well, it's 
It's an interesting one. It's a it's a tough one to pick because there's such great talent. This is what I love about this league and the way it was set up this year is that the ANL teams were basically following the yeah. Super Netball teams, so they were able to play before and after the games, and so the players could move back and forth between the teams a bit more freely, which was really good to see. Um, the one outstanding player that I really enjoyed watching during the grand final in particular, which was against Victoria Fury and the New South Wales Waratahs, was Sophie Dwyer, mm-hmm. who is a young goal attack. Now, I know you're going to give me a hard time about picking the goal attack. No, but no, no, no. She did win the MVP. VP um, for the grand final in a losing team because right. Fury actually took out the uh, title by one goal. I know. I saw the scoreline. It was so tense. The Waratahs <laughs> were up by three goals with only a couple of minutes to go. And there was a beautiful intercept taken by um, the Rudy Ellis, actually, a defensive player for the Fury, and they were just able to get it. Gee, it was <laughs> tight. But um, Sophie Dwyer was literally checking her heels to make sure she was in the goal no room to way. shoot the goal. She was shooting them from everywhere. Um, and just a really nice understanding of how, um, you know, the the workings of that front end and, and finding that space. The other one um, was Emma Ride, who we probably all know. She has spent some time with the Vixens in Suncorp. Well, was it Suncorp yep. Super Netball? Before yeah, it was. Yep. Yep. Um, and she was the MVP of the league this year. So she's a very tall shooter. And so she broke her leg, she is that did. right, last year? Yes. And so she disappeared while she was doing all of her rehab. And yeah. so great to see her back yeah. and, and playing I'm, well. That's right. And unfortunately for Em, didn't get a, um, a contract again this year. But I'm sure that there'll be teams looking for her because we all know that, you know, we look at this and maybe we'll ask Marina about this too, the international influence in Suncorp Super Netball and um, there tends to be a lot of international players playing in that goal shooter position (laughs) and there's not many young players Aussie girls coming through or being able to get opportunities in those positions. Emirate is one of them. So I, I think that there'll be there'll be some teams just having another look at her because she was very a, a really, really good strong target. Yeah. And, Fury. and because not just because of her height or Well, I mean, definitely that was difficult for the defenders to contend yeah. with. There's no doubt about that. But no, de- I think that she's um, really developed her game in in that holding strength, and we do often see that with tall holding shooters sometimes as well. That it can take some time for them to yeah develop, get enough strength yes. to withhold us defenders who yeah. like to bully all the shooters. <laughs> That's right. So um, she was another one who was uh, who was really impressive. So it was great, great to see that. Right? Shall we get Marina on the phone? Yeah, let's do that. Let's get into it. And Marina Go, the chair of the SunCorp Super Netball League Commission, joining us right after this. Hi there, Sharon McMahon and Bianca Chatfield still with you for the Inner Circle podcast. As we mentioned before the break, we are very excited to have with us this morning Marina Go, who is the chair of the Suncorp Super Netball Commission. Marina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. No worries at all. It's been um, a really interesting development for sport for our sport in Australia, the introduction of this commission. And I think we're all kind of just trying to get our heads around exactly what the role is. Can you explain it to us, please? Yes, look, the wonderful thing about um, the commission is that uh, Netball Australia still exists. So the Netball Australia board still exists. Um, and they take care of um, everything to do with netball from the diamonds down, apart from their strategic priority, which is the super netball. Um, So they have been very courageous 
um, and uh, in putting this strategic priority um, to a new independent commission. So the commission is, um, uh, as I said, a body of independent people, and our goal is to ensure that we grow this competition and um, and we do it sustainably. Uh, it is the premier women's league in the country for any for any sport, um, and our intention is to make sure that it becomes bigger and better. So with this commission, I believe you've had two meetings so far. Can you give us a yes. bit of an indication of some of the issues that have been discussed? Uh, well, we've had a couple of live issues to deal with, obviously. Um, we had the timekeeping issue, and of course we had uh, the issue with Maria Falau, um, but we but we are focused really on the on I guess the medium to long term. So the conversations that we have around the commission around um, really sorting out the processes for how we will go about ensuring that we get um, you know the right broadcast deal for the future, uh, that we improve our um, sponsorship arrangements. Um, we, we of course will be considering. We haven't yet had a strategy session, but we will. We'll be considering. Um, really important issues like um, expansion of the competition, for example. Um, you know, eight teams is a great start, but obviously it's not, it's not um, a big enough competition with regards to content for broadcasters and also for fans. Um, so that, that we, we basically have just spent the first um, couple of meetings uh, organising ourselves, to be honest. Now, with the Maria Falau issue, I have to ask you more about that. We spoke about it on yep. our podcast last week. You know, what what was the consensus from the commission around how we should handle that as a sport? So, the so what we have to look at, you know, we're we're a governing body, so our role is to govern um, the Super Netball, um, which means that we have to we go straight to the rules. So straight away, um, when you know, when obviously there was some activity on social media. Um, people were obviously, you know, had their particular views either way from about Maria Falau. Um, and so we just immediately said, okay, let's have a look at the rules. That's our instrument that we, you know, that we govern the sport by. Um, has Maria broken any rules? Um, and the advice that we received was that she hadn't. So, so that's the first thing. She hadn't broken the rules. And then, of course, it is, okay, well, if she hasn't broken the rules... Um, you know how do how do we how do we view this going forward? Um, it, we've got a duty of care not only to Maria as a player within our sport, but also to all of our fans and stakeholders to ensure that um, that you know Maria doesn't cross any lines in the future. And so, um, so it was you know we we had to ensure that um, there was a conversation so that Maria understood what the rules were. So that was so that happened. Um, and then, and then, and then, as I said here, we have a duty of care to Maria. She she is a player within our competition. Um, the Thunderbirds obviously have a duty of care to her. Uh, she's employed by them, and so we had to make sure that she was then protected from um, the, I guess, the sort of social media bullying that was happening. Mm. Um, and and I think too too many people have forgotten that you know Maria is a person. Um, and we have a duty of care, you know, the sport has a duty of care to her as a player, um, and we take that very seriously. 
Marina, I think you have answered that beautifully and very thoroughly. Thank you very much for addressing that. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to ask you about is this question of whether the Super Netball is a pathway program or it's a commercial entertainment uh, program. Obviously, we've got yeah. someone like Lisa Alexander who uh, worries <laughs> yeah. about how many international players are, are in there and how that is implicating um, us in terms of the, the form of the diamonds, but also improving the netball um, landscape right around the world. Where do you see that fitting and how do you balance the two? Uh, look, we, you know, Lisa has obviously spoken to us and, I, you know, I, I, um, I've known Lisa for a little for a little while too and, you know, we have, we have um, great regard for her and, of course, we want the diamonds to win. <laughs> we want to become, you know, <laughs> yes, retain our world champion status, of course. Um, and, and I guess this is where um, it is it is great that the Commission is separate from Netball Australia in terms of conflict of interest because there can be a big conflict of interest between, um, you know, ensuring that you get the best outcome for a premium competition like Suncorp Super Netball and then also having the best national... The, or the best team in the world in terms of your national team. It, it can actually be a conflict of interest. So... We, you know, obviously we, we take um, Lisa's views into consideration in terms of uh, respect for, that we have for her as a national coach. Um, our, I guess our, our measures of success are a little bit different to, um, to Lisa's and also Netball Australia because Netball Australia's will be, they'll be measured by, you know, the diamonds number one. Um, for us it's about, um, you know, how can we keep this competition number one? So it's a long way of saying to you, I guess, that um, we, you know, our concern, our primary concern, will be about the commercial success of this competition, um, and and I guess in a roundabout way, the reason that that that, that matters to Netball Australia too is that if we're commercially successful, more money comes into the sport to invest in the development of players for the diamonds. So. Um, the best thing that we can do is rather than limit, I know that there's been some conversations, I know Lisa has very, you know, she has had some, her uh, views have been expressed to us about um, the number of internationals, of course, coming into the game. That are, you know, Obviously, there's, there's about 25, I think, across the competition now. Um, the reason that we, you know, the reason that we believe in that and we don't want to put a cap on it is that, that you want to have the best players playing in your competition, if you're if you're the best league in the world, so um, so it really does matter to the Super, Suncorp Super Netball, to the broadcasters, the fans, the stakeholders that we have the very best netballers in the world in our competition, and which we have right now. The opportunity for uh, pathways for development players will come when we expand the competition. So there will be more opportunities because. Um, there will be simply, you know, more netballers playing. So, uh, you know, this is the first three years have been a foundation year, a foundation time, I guess, for the Suncorp Super Netball. Um, and so there are, you know, eight teams with relatively limited number of positions and a lot of internationals. But as I said, once we expand, um, then there will be more opportunity, and, and Lisa will probably be happy with it. <laughs> hey, I'm all for the imports, Marina. I think it adds yeah. so much to the competition. <laughs> uh, when you say expand, are you talking about extra teams or extra players within each team? Because we know when Super Netball was brought in, we went from 12 players on a list to 10 players on a list. Um, so can you elaborate a little bit more on that expansion? So at the moment, we're not talking about more more players per team, although you know I'm not ruling anything out at the moment because we haven't had... 
uh, any discussions about that. But we are, but you know, we've all acknowledged the fact that eight clubs, uh, eight teams is, is not a lot of content. It's four games a weekend, um, and we we need to find a way to increase that. We need to do it for the fans. We need to do it for the competition. But we we also need to do it for the broadcaster because there is no doubt that. Um, Channel 9 are right behind um, the Suncorp Super Netball. And you can see that our ratings are improving and, you know, they're, they're getting quite excited about it. And I, I know that um, from some of the um, some of the things I've read from Channel 9, they're, you know, the internal rating systems and their own internal measures of success around netball uh, mean that they're getting quite excited about it. But, you know, broadcasting two games on a weekend is really not a lot of content. So... Um, I can't tell you what form that will take. I can't talk to you about the time frame yet um, or even the number of teams that might um, be added into this competition at some point because we haven't had our strategy session yet, which, we, which we're planning to have um, next month. We very much look forward to hearing what comes out of that um, and that expansion. And great to hear that Channel 9 are really excited about yeah. that. And I think we, you can kind of feel that building, which is fantastic. You, you speak, Marina, about keeping the competition as the number one competition for women. What, what do you see as the biggest threat to that? Um, is it the other competitions? I mean, I know we see other sports and we spoke about this just briefly before the break, expanding for those male-dominated sports into the female space. Is there a role for us um, in, in the men's space? Or, or what, what do you see as that biggest threat or opportunity? Uh, look, I think, um, you know, if every sport... Um, is a competitor because, uh, but you know, but every form of entertainment is a competitor because we're competing for people's time. Um, and certainly, there are some um, very strong uh, female teams now emerging, particularly national teams in other sports. Um, and uh, but you know, I, my, I guess my view on this is that fans of netball are not going to dub netball because they suddenly like women's cricket or because they suddenly are following Ash Barty. Um, we can do all of that. We can watch all different sports at the same time. Um, and, you know, certainly my sons do that. No reason yeah, why I do that do too. That. That's why I'm so exactly. tired at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am as well because there's so much great sport. There is, there is. Um, so I, I don't think that, uh, that that will take people away from netball. Um, the, you know, and, and the men's game, well, look, you know, we've always watched men's sports. So even if there is a great, you know, if, if the, you know, men's sport becomes great again. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, That's good. If it does, well, great. Um, we're still going to be able to watch all of it, right? So I think the biggest um, the biggest threat to us and the biggest opportunity is actually what we do ourselves. So we need to ensure that, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's huge expectations for netball with the Suncorp Super Netball and the momentum that we're gaining. And with that comes expectation. So... We have to make sure that we get this right and we continue to get this right and we continue to professionalise and uh, do all the things that's expected of us. Um, and I'm really, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm really excited about the, um, the commission that's been assembled around me. I feel very fortunate. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a, a role in putting people on the commission. That happened by Netball Australia um, and I was one of those people. But it's a great group of people with fantastic commercial experience um, and... Uh, you know, we we feel very strongly that we can um, that we can take this competition somewhere else, which is you know 
<laughs> I'm excited about it. Oh, so are we. Yeah. You know, as, as much as Sherelle and I have been a, you know, a big part of netball, played it for so long, huge fans of watching it, you can just see how much potential there still is mm, with absolutely. our sport to keep growing yeah. and to keep dominating. Yeah. That's what's so exciting. That's why we want to stay involved as well. Like it just, Good. there's so much that we can do with it. And yeah. um, two little issues that we constantly talk about on this podcast are a match review panel and extra time after what's happened so far this season. Oh, yes. What are your thoughts on that? What's going to happen? Uh, look, what, we, what we'll do is um, we'll wait to the end of the season. And we, I mean, we don't have that, um, that far to go. I mean, once, once we're back from the World Cup. Um, and then we'll review everything. We'll sit down, we'll consult all the stakeholders and we'll, we'll you know, have, a, have a real think about it. I think, um, look, clearly there seems to be a view that that there might be a need for a match review panel from external people have been telling me that. Everyone's been telling me that. Um, and I can see that, um, you know, as as the game becomes more high profile, the, these issues come to the fore. Mm. And, um, and that's, and you know, as I've been, you know, we've been discussing with the Commission and saying um, what comes with being, you know, the most exciting um, competition at the moment is the me- some extra media attention that I think netball didn't have so much of in you know back in the day, and so um, we need to be prepared for that, and which means that we need to make sure we get it right more often than not. Um, and if that means that we need some sort of review, then we'll look at that. So you know, we, if that if that a lot of professional sports obviously have a match review panel, um, and so it's definitely on the table. We we haven't made any decisions, as I said. We need to look back and assess. We don't want to make any rash decisions because um, this sport's too important for that. Um, If we make a decision, we're going to do something. We want to make sure we do it right. Okay, well, that, that's one of the, the things. You, you skipped around the uh, draw in extra time, so maybe that's something that <laughs> oh, right. will be on the agenda for you later. That... <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. Well, and it's the same thing, and I think I'm sure that you have heard pretty loud and clear from some uh, fans of netball the angst that sits around what rules are going to be changed. And, you know, I think that there's yeah. been a feeling from a broadcast perspective, um, potentially from this independent commission, that there'll be a real push to change things. I think one of the big ones is whether we'll introduce a two- or three-point shot. Um, Where do we sit? Where does the commission sit around looking at the actual rules in terms of the fundamentally fundamentally the way netball is played? Oh look, there's a well. Look, there's we we won't you know as a commission we're not we won't sit there and make that decision. Um, there is a competition committee that um, that will look at that you know assesses aspects of the game and will make recommendations to us. Um, and and you know based on recommendations, um, our our job isn't to make that decision. If you left it to us, we we don't. There's not enough expertise around the table for us to be making key decisions like that. Um, but what we do is we take. Uh, recommendations from the experts and we uh, you know our job is to tie kick those recommendate that recommendation so we have to make sure that there's been enough rigor around it um, we'll ask questions around um, all aspects of the game that it touches so you know the impact on the player the impact on fans the impact on the commerciality the impact on the broadcaster um, that's our job is just to test it it isn't to decide it if you like um, so we will take a recommendation from the competition committee at at the relevant time, um, but there's nothing before us at the moment. So 
um, as I said to you, there's no there's no recommendation that's come to the commission yet, um, and I, I don't imagine that there'll be anything like that until this competition for the year is over, and we've all we can all sit back and assess the year. And how often are you meeting with the commission? Uh, well, it, the plan was to meet six times a year, but because we're because it's new and um, we've come in halfway through, and we're quite keen to get things going, um, we're meeting at the moment every six weeks. So um, we're really, you know, we're rolling up our sleeves. We're very excited to ensure that we're across everything and we have our processes set up. Um, and, and as I said to you, the key meeting that we're going to have is the strategy day uh, because that's the day when we'll have a think about what the future could look like. Um, and then, so the process will be, we'll look at, we'll, we need, we'll project probably five years out and say this is, if we ha- if, you know, if all things went well, this is what the best competition in the world would look like. And then our job is to work out how we get there. How do we get the sport there? Um, and what are the steps we need to take across the next five years to ensure that we get to that place? And as I said, everyone around the commission table has, has done that in previous roles. Um, so we're, you know, we're not afraid of that. We're quite excited by it. And, um, and I can't wait to see what that might look like. You know, I can't wait um, till we have that meeting because that's always... That for me, that's always the highlight of the year for any, <laughs> when you're on a board, the strategy day. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, you know, as I said, we, we're not um, going to be a, like a bull in a china shop. We need to listen, which we've been doing. I mean, I've been speaking to um, as many of the chairs of the clubs as I possibly can. I feel like I've got, you know, my, my kind of early um, speaking and listening uh, to clubs about what you know, what their concerns are, what their needs are, what their aspirations are, so that we can take all of that into consideration. Well, fantastic. We are very excited about it as well and also cannot wait to hear about where it will head and hopefully the Commission dreams big because we absolutely believe that that's where this sport can continue to go. And I agree with you that Netball Australia is very brave in in appointing this independent commission. I think it's a really smart move to really drive the sport forward on the back of the Suncorp Super Netball. Marina, it has been fantastic to get the insight from you on where you're at um, and perhaps we'll touch base again at a later stage. It's been great to chat. Great. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That was Marina Go, the chair of the Suncorp Super Netball Commission. Bianca, I mean, in this podcast, we didn't want to just talk about what was happening on court because we see that and we hear a lot about it. And I think Marina has given us some really good insight. Hasn't she? Just, And it just makes you realise how thorough everything has to be. They can't mm. just go too much extra time. You know, we're going to, you know, sorry, too many draws. We've got to add extra time. Right. They can't do that. Oh, yeah. It's got to be a very considered change. Mm. And it was just good to hear all the background that's going into it. And just also the, how much she thinks our sport can continue to grow. Cause that's exactly what we believe. Yeah. And I think it's a really good point and great to know because for example, the Aussie diamonds at the moment when they're on camp are training for not being able to have their tactical timeouts mm. because in Suncorp Super Netball a lot of the teams have become used to be able to either break the momentum or use use it yeah. to give their athletes breaks now that the tactical timeout does not exist in international netball so it's just the 30 second injury timeout rule so that is an adjustment for these athletes so these are the things that the commission also has to think about 
Perhaps. Or do they? Maybe they don't. (laughs) Maybe Maybe they they don't. don't. (laughs) Maybe that's not their problem. Uh, Well, and this is where that balance is is a really interesting one for them as they're weighing up the pros and cons of anything that they do to to improve this great game of ours. Now, B, next week we are still going to be a couple of days out from the World Cup getting Mm -hmm. closer and closer. I reckon we should do a little bit of a preview and look at the top teams. I agree. Why don't we do that? Split it up. Two teams each. Okay. Bring your best to the table next week, <laughs> Why Sherelle. Why win? Um, and anyone out there, if you've got any views on the form of the teams coming into the World Cup, let us know what you think the final standings will be. Uh, we'll come forward yes. with that as well. So okay. bring that next week, Bianca. <laughs> Get ready. To it. <laughs> Get ready. Finally, it's nearly here. I know, it's nearly here. Thanks for joining us once again, and we'll see you again next week for another episode of the Inner Circle Podcast. <laughs>